0: Well, if, if we're starting a ha- I, you know me, I have to ask, what's the proper mic technique? Oh, just put it near your face. Look, that's good. Yeah. Right up on it. Are you comfortable? Yes.
1: Can you be more comfortable?
0: I, it's best if I don't think about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're listening to the Super, Week, Super Weekly Supercast. I'm your host, Evan. <laughs> and I'm your host, Doc. Chris Bag Levo Bag.
2: And
3: I'm <am> your host. <laughs>
4: hmm.
3: Like i've never i haven't coughed in a while
1: <laughs> and i'm
3: your host monkey ball jonathan davis
1: <laughs> and today we got mm. a very special guest with us our friend
0: <laughs> thomas stork so
2: official that's more formal than uh, most of our guests
0: my shirt just rubbed onto the mic i'm sure sh- i'm
2: sure it picked it up
1: it's totally fine <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine <laughs> probably sounds great You got great tone.
2: And uh, we go way back with Tommy uh, from our days at WKDU. And uh, I guess atypically most of our guests we've stayed in deep contact with over the years. But it's been a long time since we've seen Tommy. So we were just talking before the record. You were in the band Richard P.P. Aircuts. Yes. I already lost the pronunciation. You got it. Okay, cool. Going to
1: the classic list of bands Tommy played in with me. Tommy actually drummed for Hide and Seek for a little bit has drummed on a record that we started making in 2008 that never came out that maybe I'll try to finish after we do this whole project because, you know, why not go back even further to a record where there's two drummers on every song and it's not done yet. But anyway, Tommy also, I think the first time I ever played music with Tommy was in movable type. Tommy Oh, that's right. was one of the drummers in pavement and i forget if you were the first one and then you quit and tom hanley was the second one were you westy west or were you no i for for pavement yeah i was both you were both
0: but i quit on stage and Mm -hmm. uh i did did the handstand and Mm -hmm. then um they you know they fired me and then i went off and then i think i probably just changed my shirt and came back
2: To clarify for the listener, uh, it's not the actual band pavement that Tommy was in, but Movable Type did a pavement cover band, or was that the initiating incident for Movable Type?
0: Is that how you guys formed Was to be a pavement cover band? I forget.
1: Well, Tommy didn't drum for Movable Type. I was never Movable
0: Type, but you know what I remember just the other day? Mm. I played in some version of, I guess it was Movable Type, with Chris, and it was just the two of us, because the band couldn't make it to this ukulele fest in Delaware. And so I played drums and keys at the same time, one hand on each for this one show.
1: Sounds awesome. Was it, awesome? it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's awesome. Playing with Chris was always a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You want to give a little background
2: on the membership of Movable Type and specifically who Chris, oh, what was his last name again? It's been a while. Chris Novak. Chris Novak.
0: Yeah, we're already going really, really... Uh, Deep. Yeah,
1: going, well, let's get, going going let's get into it. Let's get into it. Real far back.
2: Chris Novak was a TA, right, like a math TA at Drexel. Mm-hmm. And how did you guys meet him and and uh, start getting involved KDU, in
1: his world? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's where I, that's where I met Tommy. That's where you know John Corelli and yeah, also my removable the, type. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah. Drexel's radio station WKDU. Yeah, it was a good center for music networking, punk DIY networking at that time. But Chris Novak in particular holds a special place in my heart. Because he was the first person to ever call Evan Nard, and that nickname has stuck. You know, of course, that's a reduction of Evan's last name, Bernard. But yeah, Nard was from Chris Novak. That was your
0: movable type
1: title. I'll give it to him.
0: <laughs> I don't remember Nard at all.
1: I, it's been it's it's been I've been called that. <laughs> it's, it's good. <laughs> I like Did, it. Do you any nicknames? No. Well, oh. I always feel like you were a, You say your full name: Tommy Stork, Mike Bell. Yep. John
2: Correlli? Is that another one? <laughs> I
1: guess John Correlli, yeah.
2: I always call him full name, him. yeah. I've
0: been given a lot of nicknames from mm. people, and uh, not from Chris, but I-, I think my theory is that it has to do with, with my name starts with a T,
4: mm-hmm.
0: and just, like, Tommy. It, just, it it invites, it inspires just nicknames.
1: What are some of the nicknames?
0: They fall into, like, T-Dog, T-Money. That's my that's. The T, I think it's the T.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that seems to be <laughs> the this tea. guy.
0: Uh, this guy in college, when I was a freshman, called me Two Fingers.
1: Two Fingers, Tommy Two
2: Fingers. Yeah. Is there any more context for that, or was it just a thing he started saying?
0: He thought it was a cool punk rock name, and I think it was because I would wear a stiff little Fingers shirt that had the.
5: Oh, okay. Two that fingers.
2: adds up. That adds yeah. up. Yeah. Do you ever get Tommy Two Tone like that classic uh, eight six seven five three zero nine band? Never. Um, yeah, I'll take that as a no. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but now I'm thinking. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, right? It just went right over your head.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, there was a uh, notable cover of that in the Crazy Taxi Game, but that wasn't by the original band, so I'm trying to see if there's ever a reason for that song to come up in our lives. But I guess that was uh, a little too major label for us to cover at WKDU. Speaking of which, let's get into a little bit of background about WKDU and I guess how we all met back when we were working there.
1: Well, we didn't really do any background on movable type. We just went to Tommy's nicknames. Oh, okay. <laughs> it doesn't even matter because that is the background of movable type, is we met at WKDU, and then that's how we met Jesse, and that was movable type. And Tommy didn't really even play in movable type. Who even gives a shit? Let's gloss right over that.
2: I was just trying to take us to the beginning of the timeline, but yeah, let's. Uh... Yeah,
1: 2006, <laughs> went to college. Tommy was there, said, Hey, Tommy, nice to meet you. And that's, and now we're here.
2: Yeah, it was easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be more detail than that, though, right?
0: You started to list uh the, 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 projects i played uh with you on Mm -hmm. i I remember hide and seek Mm -hmm. but i don't remember playing in it
1: i don't think we ever played a show but we wrote and recorded songs together that we never released do you remember playing with josh
0: yes Mm -hmm. i remember coming from new york Mm -hmm. in like uh 2012 or something and recording something Mm -hmm. but i don't remember what it was and i was searching my email and i couldn't find it
1: we're gonna listen today that's why you're here. That's what
0: I was hoping, because I remember <laughs> the one we recorded in uh, like four years before that, mm-hmm. and it even like that song gets in my head sometimes. Cool. It just that pops. Song. It just pops in there.
1: We do have the original version of that, and then you came and re-recorded a second version of it that we never finished because I was doing this project where we had two drummers on every track. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know why I wanted to do that, but there was a bunch of songs that I wrote in like 2008 in that time period. I was like, oh, it's 2011 or 12. I might as well finish all of these songs. And then I just recorded 22 drummers playing on them. You've played on one too, Mikey. And, uh, you know, people like Dave Collis is from Slow Mass asks me all the time. He says, when are you going to finish that song that I played on 11 years ago or 10 years ago? And I'm like, "Uh, you know, I recorded guitar on it and the tone's really bad. And then that's when I stopped because... The guitar tone was really bad, and I got to redo it.
0: I do remember that I was uh, you were involving me in a some kind of ambitious project.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of Evan's MO. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And I was so down.
1: Well, you know, now that you live right around the corner, I can involve you in even more ambitious projects. You if you're trying to be ambitious.
2: Well, what Evan's alluding to there, too, is that Tommy's returned to Philadelphia after a 10-year absence working in New York, or were you like elsewhere, too? But what, what brought you out of Philadelphia after college?
0: I, I guess I wanted to be in a, another city just to know what it was like to live in another city or other cities, um, generally and not just stay in one place. And New York was close and bigger and made the most sense. Uh, and I just stayed there cause I liked it so much.
1: Well, you grew up in Baltimore, right? Or right outside of Baltimore? Yeah.
0: You know, Baltimore suburbs, Baltimore, Annapolis suburbs.
1: Mm-hmm. So you know you've been around the big city your whole whole life a little bit. You hit three big ones on the East Coast.
0: Yep.
2: What were you doing up there? I seem to remember you having a pretty cool job when we came up to visit you one time, but I,
0: the details of which escapes me. Oh, I don't know what that would have been. Oh, <laughs> I, for a while. Um, I remember you guys coming to visit. Was uh was Jake there too? Jake went Stanley.
1: Oh my God, Jake Winstanley, Stanley. Yeah, definitely. At times we've definitely been in New York together when we he was playing in Secret Mountains. Uh huh.
0: I don't know. I've been trying to remember this like since, uh, since you, t- since you texted me.
1: I know Dangerous Ponies and Secret Mountains played together in New York. Uh, and I know we hung out then. You know, it's all a blur. I
0: remember they got, they got free shoes because they, um,
2: oh, rubber tracks probably, right? Converse rubber tracks. Or is there some other purveyor of free shoes in New York that I wasn't aware of? It's probably, it's probably the thing you're saying. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I might have been working, um, doing, like, industrial hygiene stuff where I would go to construction sites and take air samples.
2: That's what it was. That is precisely what it was. Because I did that for a while. I know this uh, – maybe not everybody's as excited as I am about that subject, but that seems, like, really interesting to me. Like, you're just, like, collecting air in a jar and then testing the molecular oh, content? Yeah.
0: Or? It sounds so much cooler than it is. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, was, I, I, I did get to go um, work underground in the tunnels – with the sandhogs, you know. Wait, my, what is a sandhog? Sandhogs are the um the name of uh guys who work in tunnels, like like in New York. Okay. Yeah. Simple enough. Yeah, it's tough, dangerous work. They're paid well, but it, it attracts a certain kind of
2: not, yeah, not the easiest guys to work with. Hmm. Rough and tumble types. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah, you get to like see you know weird parts of the city. Yeah,
2: well, you were like a more, you know, obviously human uh, canary in the coal mine, except for instead of dying, you were testing it to make sure that nobody died, which is yeah. a pretty noble pursuit. Sometimes,
0: you know, they, they'd be like, all right, the dynamite's going off today at 3 p.m.
1: Well, that's pretty exciting. Were you ever there when that happened?
0: Um, I don't remember if, if um, I don't know if we like couldn't be in the tunnel when that happened or. Probably not. Probably not think osha would yeah something to say yeah yeah, i mean that's why that's like why like when you start like you know like oh it's happening at this time
1: blowing something up always just reminds me of action movies so i imagine if it was like living a real life action movie it could be pretty cool oh see to me
2: dynamite always just makes me think of wily coyote from looney tunes so i'm like imagining a giant like detonator plunger that's like it has like a big red box and like uh what do you call it like a fuse that goes from it underground and yeah, uh, a yeah, yeah, very different scenario.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mostly sat in my car and slept. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd be on site at like 7 a.m. and then set some machines up and then wait because they just collect air all day.
1: Damn. So you just sit around while a machine does something.
3: Mm-hmm. So you're lo- or you looking for like I guess hazardous particles or like? Usually
0: lead, like removing paint from bridges or towers or whatever, uh, buildings. Um, so it's removing, like, old paint. So it was usually lead. If you're underground, it's for silica dust. These guys are, like, creating They're spraying. They're, like, just shooting concrete mm-hmm. out of a hose to, like, shape the walls of yeah. the tunnels.
1: So that's how they do it. Yeah. I always wondered how they made tunnels.
0: It's pretty cool to see. It's not, like, nice to be down there. No. but Concrete dries underwater, so.
3: Does it? Yeah. It does. Well, I didn't know that. (laughs) That's how, uh, yeah, I guess that's how they're able to like (laughs) make stuff like that.
2: Yeah, like like supports for bridges and things like that. They go over a body of water. Yeah, that's very cool. I think,
3: I don't want to say the wrong thing, (laughs) 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 but when it is drying and stuff, it emits heat or something. That's how it's maybe able to dry underwater, I think.
1: If anybody knows how concrete underwater works, feel free to send us a big old email. (laughs) <laughs> and then we will read it and then never say anything about it again. Yeah, we'll
2: forget that we read it. But yeah, that's a pretty like, serious scenario, too. Like, like silica dust in the air, like, that's, like, a contributing factor for, like, black lung. And, like, it makes, like, your lungs fit specifically the processes. But if it gets in there, like, it doesn't ever leave. Your lungs harden over time from breathing it. So, like, that's a pretty huge thing that you were doing. I remember when we were building the studio and we had to break the old window down. Mikey's sister, Chrissy, uh, who is, like, our our guide for that whole process she was warning me against being in the room and breathing without a mask on while we were just breaking the window. And like that small amount of, you know, silica, that's like, you know, like that glass. Yeah. So I can only imagine like the level of hazardousness that was in like an underground tunnel with no ventilation. And yeah, that's pretty wild.
0: Yeah, I- like those guys actually like, you know, they were not full, like fully suited up. Mm-hmm. Did you get suited up in like a hazmat suit? I, I had a suit, but I never, I had like a Tyvek suit. I never had to wear it, hmm. I don't think. I probably had to wear it once. That's probably why I had it. Do you still have it? No. Speaking of cover bands, I did a Roxy Music cover set
1: Mm -hmm.
0: for FMU when we played in the graveyard on Halloween. And um, I don't dress up, but I had to. I had to wear a costume, so I put on the suit.
1: So you did wear it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Great. (laughs) That
2: was the one time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, for WFMU, that's pretty cool. I wish we get to play something for that. That's uh, the best show. Is like one of my favorite, like weird oddities of terrestrial radio. Oh yeah. Yeah. Philly Boy Roy in particular, one of the, the the classic recurring characters, who we actually just talked about with JR on his episode the other week. It's just like such a solidification of like the ridiculous accent that does that come from Philadelphia and the surrounding area that in a, in a large way is like a precursor to uh, that Mayor of Easttown show that's out now. We can thank Philly Boy Roy for putting the Delco accent on the map.
1: I think Mikey Tajan put the Delco accent on the map. No
3: way. <laughs> Not me, if you would be my sister if anyone If anyone related
2: to me. (laughs) Well, we can just keep passing this buck around, but we're all a bunch of Delco weirdos.
1: I have such fond memories of when we would get back from ponies tours, we would get into Pennsylvania, and you would see a Wawa, and you'd immediately pull over, and you'd be like, fucking Wawa coffee. Been missing this.
3: Yeah? (laughs) uh, My coffee, I don't know. Coffee's been a wild ride. It must have been, like, early on, if I was loving and missing Wawa coffee like that, because... I think I just drank the shit out of that too much and then mixed with all the good coffee we would get on tour and that you would make and or bring to the house or anyone else that worked at coffee shops would bring to the warehouse. Wawa quickly became...
2: <laughs> I like falling
1: down the list. Of yeah. Bandits, yeah. No, it was definitely in the beginning. It was like the first full U.S. tour like that we ever did. And yeah. I just remember you getting back and you being like, yes, wah, wah, and then like hitting the horn like you would. and
2: <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> or punching the, the ceiling of the van as you were driving. <laughs> I
3: think that was ultimately uh, based off of maybe like
1: cory or maybe evan
3: i feel like cory didn't cory punch the ceiling
1: yeah he would do that but that was for sheets which was a yeah. yeah that was probably mikey probably adopted that after cory mm. we i were, think it was, that a, was Corey that been a super weeks only tour fist thing you would always hit the horn whenever we would
3: yeah, I horned you'd a be lot. like
1: you know <laughs> wah wah bam. anyway sorry to derail yeah, everything right. with this coffee talk
2: well uh Tommy, do you have a favorite like uh, made to order uh convenience store that you would find on your travels driving back and forth i
0: i think you know i think the wawa thing like i i never um had like the, the sort of local love for wawa um because I think I, maybe it's a vegetarian thing where like wawa or cheats is and i was vegan for a little while it's just there's less options mm-hmm. and so I never ate there.
2: Yeah, whenever I would go, I would have to get a condiment hoagie whenever I go to Wawa. Very recently, it's changed. They now have, like, Beyond Sausage and stuff like that. I Yeah. But this actually reminds me of a story, one of my favorite memories about you, that I learned this from listening to your radio show back in the day where you were talking about it. Of course, now we live in an era where Burger King has a vegan burger. As I mentioned, Wawa has their own vegan meats. But this was 10 years ago, maybe longer, before any of that was widely available for vegetarians— and you heard a rumor that Wendy's had a vegetarian burger, and it was just some particular Wendy's, maybe in New Jersey somewhere. And you drove from Wendy's to Wendy's for hours looking for a vegetarian burger, for a veggie burger. And you came up empty handed after like a. <laughs> you give me such a blank stare now. No, 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 no. at it. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> I think, uh,
0: well, I bet I was thinking Wendy's, but. I had I probably had it wrong because it was Burger King it didn't I think Burger King had the morning star burger
2: oh even back then
0: yeah, but it wouldn't be on the menu
2: oh, that's interesting secret menu vegetarian stuff yeah yeah I just remember listening into your radio show while I was driving around the city and hearing you talk about that and I could just imagine the dedication that you had to that cause, especially at that time. You know that stuff wasn't really available to any of us, so I was just like so hopeful that you would have
0: found it and you could have like <laughs> guided us all to. Yeah, no, I was just an idiot, and I and I <laughs> it was it was Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get it eventually?
1: Yeah, and I've had a few. Oh,
0: you know, it's like a shitty Morningstar Burger. Yeah, and, you know, like you get on the road and it's got the sauce, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question about wawas. yeah, yeah, um. What's the place upstate with the milkshakes?
1: Stewart's? Stewart's. In New York?
0: Stewart's milkshakes.
1: Oh, okay. Is yeah. it Stewart's milkshakes? Oh. Uh,
3: they do that? have
2: milkshakes. Do they have
3: milk? What's the other one, like, oh, yeah. next to May Hall's? Oh, yeah. We, like, go down to that.
1: Oh, this is the United Dairy Farmers. No, uh, oh, yeah. that yeah. yeah. one. Not yeah. that. When somebody says upstate to me, they mean New York. Yeah, that's what I meant. That's what, you know, I'm thinking of Hudson Valley, the Adirondacks. I'm thinking of going up there, you know? That's mm-hmm. when...
0: But it's Stewart's. I got you. It I'm is Stewart's. Stewart's the mil- is there. The milkshakes at Stewart's. Yeah.
2: Mm, Mikey is a milkshake fanatic, so you were speaking his language.
3: <laughs> well, worth a drive. I, and yeah, no, I would do it honestly. I really don't think I've ever gotten one from there as much as as much as we passed them, but it's not like a the group once I ever. Stop at the steward's back
1: soon enough, Mikey. We're gonna get your ass in a van. You're gonna drive oh, us all no. across the country once again. Just a milkshake
2: tour, no shows, just just the diners, drivers, and dives, except for it's milkshakes, milkshakes, and milkshakes. Let's fucking you. do it.
1: Somebody give me money to have a TV show.
3: I think my wife would hate that though, because uh, so uh, all the farting. Oh,
1: okay, well, tell her to come on the TV show too. Yeah,
2: we'll get you a pair of the special underpants they make that filter out farts. Is that a thing? It's <laughs> a real thing. This yeah. Is real. Yeah. I don't remember the name of the product, but you can call <laughs> oh, it. I it's like extra thick fabric <laughs> yeah. where it's like cross woven fabrics of the farts. It has to like skin. dryer sheets woven into yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you gotta think about the nightmare of like, at the end of the day after like a full day worth of gas like you open those things up to take them off it's gonna knock you out and knock you clean Does out. It
1: just keep it in there? It well, doesn't it's, dissipate it? It's gotta, it's it's gotta not like go booth, somewhere. You know? They're particles, yeah, I mean. Or spoof? What are those things called when yeah. you smoke weed and you blow into it? Spoof? Yeah, it's goofing a spoof.
3: A dube tube? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Yeah, You know?
3: that's what we call it. I don't know, a but these, all, these all sound more good. Sense.
1: <laughs> you know, you put the dryer sheet in the Roll a toilet paper, and then you blow the weed smoke in it.
3: You never heard of that? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Because the smoke, I guess, comes out.
1: Smelling like a mixture of dryer sheet and And weed. weed, Yeah,
2: Yeah, it just smells like somebody washed a bunch of weed.
0: I don't know about that stuff. I don't know. You You just
2: weren't a delinquent like we were, so Mm -hmm. you didn't have to use those techniques. Trying to bend
3: the rules that much. You probably just went into the woods.
1: I can't imagine Tommy being a delinquent. You delinquent? I wasn't. I was such a good kid. (laughs) I believe you. Yeah. And then you got into punk rock and you still were such a good
0: kid. It was, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I didn't, like, give my parents shit and then they kind of let me, like, do whatever. Same. And it was, yeah, worked out.
1: That's exactly, growing up, that's exactly what I learned was if I just, like, do the things my parents ask me to do, I can pretty much do whatever I want all the other time. Yeah. Worked out great.
2: Oh, my secret is just never get caught. And then they assume you're just doing, you know, something good for the world. When I was just like fucking off and smoking weed, with my friends in the garage, I convinced my mom that I was in chess club for two years wow. and every Thursday I would just cut after school and then like, uh, just go get high with
1: my friends. I would just always get caught. There's absolutely no chance of me not getting caught. I'm too slow, obvious and slow at everything I do. So it's like,
2: yeah, you're too flat footed. You couldn't get away from your literally. parents in time. Yeah
1: anytime i tried to do something like i can't lie you can see it on my face if i'm trying to lie i'm terrible liar if my parents were like were you out smoking weed i'd be like no (laughs) just like make a face and they'd be like jesus fucking christ what were you doing uh my friend john got a new cologne we wanted to try
0: yeah if i could get away with lying then i like have to deal with the guilt
1: yes just easier to be a good boy and mm-hmm. do what my parents asked and like eventually you know we would go fucking <laughs> hang out at my friend's house whose parents like let everyone smoke weed and drink there and i would be like look i'm going to my friend's house everyone smokes weed and drinks there i don't really smoke weed or drink and they were like oh okay cool i was like yeah i just like you know hang out and watch anime with them while they get fucked up yep that's like pretty much what i did in high school all of the time What so you did what you do
0: i was in band Hmm. marching band or marching band orchestral drums. Jazz. yeah take up a lot of time and it's so insular that that's that's all my you know all my friends were in band too hmm. and then there were like there weren't a lot of kids who were into punk i i met one and became friends with one other kid who liked punk and we started a band mm-hmm. and that was like my first relationship outside of like this school organization
1: how old were you at that point
0: 16 damn I was young for my grade, so probably six, 16.
1: How did you get into punk rock then if you only hung around with band kids and they didn't like punk rock? Where did where did the influence come from?
0: They did. I think I just um I just went deeper.
1: Well you go extremely deep at this point.
0: It was it was the same time that pop punk was big on the radio. Mm-hmm. And that's probably where it started. And then you learn about fad and epitaph and hopeless and uh ska. And uh, Napster was also starting. Mm-hmm. So I was able to kind of explore my own outside of just like learning from older kids. And
1: did you learn from older kids too, though?
0: I learned more from like kids my age who had older siblings. Mm-hmm. So they knew more than I did. And uh, I just remember being like in history class, li- like just like listening into this conversation that was happening in front of me, two other kids who were talking about like, oh yeah, you, you know no effects? Yeah, you know Screeching Weasel? Oh, yeah, squeegee and Reese's rules. Yeah, do you like Pennywise? And um, first time I'd heard of any of those bands. Oh, yeah. That's a very vivid memory.
2: Most of those, like, I didn't have any friends who really listened to punk growing up. We were mostly, like, classic rock and grunge heads. And it was the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater games that really introduced me to mm. a lot oh, of yeah. those bands. And, then, like, Pennywise was on the, there was a competing but failed game starring Andy McDonald instead, another pro skater. And it was MTV's Andy McDonald's Pro Skater game. And they had Pennywise and uh, System of a Down mm-hmm. and a, a number of bands that were kind of like punk and punk adjacent, like that. And then it was just like this weird sort of oddity for me in the back of my head. It was like, oh, that's that like aggressive music from those video games I played while I was in jazz band and playing classic rock. And then when I met Evan and, you know, and I guess you and everybody else at WKDU, that's what kind of pushed me more towards punk personally. And got me kind of into that world of musicians as well. And it was uh, like a late but formative experience. Yeah, that makes total sense.
0: The Tony Hawk thing. Oh, yeah. As as a starting point. It's
1: great. Great starting point.
2: Yeah, an amazing mixtape. And then also that's why I got into Rob Zombie at a young age is because of the Twisted Metal series. <laughs> like that video game series. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of those influences just came from video games during that era.
1: I mean, Tony Hawk got me into Primus. I'll tell you the fuck what. Oh hell
2: yeah, dude! Jerry was the race car or was the race car driver. It's such a great like skate song. It's so wacky and angular. Still love Primus. Primus rocks. Oh excuse me, uh, Primus sucks. As it says on their bumper stickers, it's they
1: complete make. nonsense most of the time, and it sounds like the guitar player is never actually listening to what's going on on the song, and it's great. <laughs> ten out of ten. Would ride again.
0: Last year, for the first time, I. Got in a system of a down. I like. I'm gonna listen to a system of a down record.
1: Which one? Um, toxicity. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. So good.
1: Yeah, that's where you got to start. You missed that growing up though. When you were younger, you you never. No, I I no I I
0: I listened to all that stuff on the radio. Mm. I didn't go out and buy those CDs. I uh, I'll call it new metal. I'll throw them into new metal because they, it was oh, around oh, the same yeah. time.
1: On this podcast, we talk a lot about new metal. We're all pretty big. Uh, new metal heads yeah around these parts looking at you Mikey <laughs> it was
0: all through the radio for me mm-hmm. I liked it I, I didn't I didn't go out and buy it
1: I did for sure not System of a Down though there's always been these bands throughout my life where all of my friends would put it on so often that I would never have to buy mm-hmm. their record System of a Down being one because fucking everyone listened to System of a Down it was on all the time like I mean, even now Oliver listens to system of down all the fucking time and learned all their drum parts. And it's just like, even now, you know, 15 years after system of like toxic, I don't know how old that record is. I think it's like about 15 at this point. Right. Maybe oh, a little I would older, say, almost would, 20 probably. I would say closer to 20, but either way, regardless, like 20 years later that record, I still hear it all the fucking time. I never have to put it on. I hear it all the time. And like bands like built to spill too, like, never had to buy a build the spill record because all my friends just constantly listen to build the spill so it's like all these bands for me become those bands where i like will never have to put it on when i'm listening to music by myself because i'm just like so exposed to it all the time
2: yeah you know speaking of video games and system of a down did you ever hear they covered one of the main themes from ocarina of time and wrote lyrics about link's adventures in the world of hyrule it's great it's amazing. I, if you haven't heard it, I recommend you look it up. I
1: haven't heard it. Well, maybe Chris will link it on the uh, pod description because I feel like that's a, one hell of a thing to listen to. It's great. 10 out of 10.
0: Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to listen to it because I'm a System
1: of a Down fan now. It's only taken you 20 years.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I, I found it on Napster
2: too. That's how that uh, fell into my lap. So I don't think it was on any official releases of theirs. It was just like a song that they had put out somewhere.
1: I loved on Napster that you could find, like, people would upload their own music to Napster and, like, call it something else. So, like, try to download a 311 song or a Sublime song or mm-hmm. something, and it would just be like some fucking random punk band. You ever get that where you just get the song and it would be the wrong song? Yep. I remember awesome finding <laughs> the band The Berlin Project through that and the band Punchline. I would be like, Yeah, I want to listen to Sublime song. I'm 12. Mm-hmm. And then it would just be like those bands. I'd be like, This fucking is sick. What is this sublime song? Then you'd find out it's not.
0: Wait, wait, was it was labeled as Sublime? It was tagged as Sublime, but then how did you know what what it actually was?
1: I don't remember. Maybe somewhere in the title it would be like,
0: Mm.
1: "Do you guys remember this?" Like you know, you would find songs and it would be like you know, Sublime, Bad Fish, and then it like after that it'd say like the Berlin Project, and then the name of the actual song. Mm. But Sublime, Bad Fish would be first. So on that like window you would only see Sublime Badfish. You wouldn't see the rest of the title. Yeah. Unless you had the thing expanded far enough.
2: My closest equivalent was when I was downloading a video that was labeled Led Zeppelin the Ocean and I thought I was getting a live performance of, you know, the song The Ocean by Led Zeppelin and it took like a day and a half to download and when I finally got it and I opened it it was porn. It was porn. It, it was, porn. was it was an orgy next to the ocean. And someone, I guess, just threw the the word Led Zeppelin in there for whatever reason. But yeah, it was like, and you probably cranked
1: your hog to that for years (laughs) to come.
2: Uh, So was was that a pun there? But I was like twelve at the time. I think I was too scared to
1: cranked your hog. It was on the family computer.
2: I was just like, I have
1: to get rid of this. I have to get rid of this right now.
0: I mean, it's got to just be people trying to trick you into listening to uh, certain songs, for sure. So it's got to be in the title somewhere.
1: Yeah, it was great. I found out a lot of bands from that time period. And I went to go see him. It worked. That shit worked. I'm telling you now. Mm-hmm. It worked. It was great. I love it.
3: My favorite band, not porn. Led Zeppelin. So I'm sorry. <laughs> God, I'm sorry.
1: If we
2: ever do a Led Zeppelin cover set, that's what we'll name ourselves. Just to just to reassure people.
1: <laughs> Tommy can uh, dress up in his Tyvek suit. Mikey can also dress up his. As- Tommy.
3: Yeah, dude. They got them at Home Depot. We'll, we'll all get them. That's a, see, that seems more
2: like a Devo vibe to me instead of not porn Led Zeppelin. Do you think the band Tyvek ever dresses
1: up in Tyvek suits? I could, I could ask. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not, huh? Good band, though. Great band. Tommy, you at one point, you were doing a record label. Do you still do that? Yes. Sick.
0: And as always, very slowly.
1: Is it still mostly geared towards releasing, like, classics? Yeah. Okay, what Cl- was classics. the Classics, band- only classics. What have you been putting out on it? What's it called? Tell ever tell the listeners. called uh, Bunker Pop. Bunker Pop Records?
0: Yeah, it's things that uh, I think are really great, but overlooked and unappreciated and unknown. Mm-hmm. I remember you telling me, so maybe this was when I was back in Philly from New York, and maybe I was recording something for you and i i i remember maybe expressing interest in starting something like this and you telling me well you should do it and i think I'm, i remember you telling me that and then i did it
1: and here we are it's great yeah <laughs> what have you what else have you put out
0: i probably gave you a copy of the coitus int yeah, Coites in for sure. Koitusint is a band from the Netherlands mm-hmm. that uh, self-released all their records. I did the seven inch in the and in their first LP. Mm-hmm. This band Null and Void from California, who made this sort of indescribable record that never came out. So I put that out. There was this Dutch band called Aho Ahoa, and they like released a tape that no one bought at the time, but this one guy like bought it at like Stalplot Records, I put it online. Mm-hmm. So I put that out because it's excellent and it's one of my favorite records.
1: Where'd you hear it? Like, you just found it online?
0: Yeah, digging, uh, because I did a radio show, mm-hmm. I would dig and dig and dig through blogs of tapes and stuff from that time.
1: When I was doing radio shows, same thing. I was doing, like, a lot of twee and Gays from the early 90s, late 80s and stuff, and, you know, just, like, hound the blogs and look up, be like, you know, what should I be listening to? What is the shit? You know, I like Sarah Records, and then they'd be like, well, here are 40 bands from the U.K., from 1991 that you've never heard of. Yep. It'll be sick.
0: It's a lot of fun. It takes a lot of time.
1: hmm I haven't done it in years.
0: Now that I don't do a show regularly, I don't do that. You can't, you can't do that.
1: You don't do it on your spare time.
0: I mean, I put, I put in a lot of years. You did. <laughs> Downloading a lot of files and and throwing away, you know, most of them that aren't good enough.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that where you heard Null and Void, too?
0: Yeah, Null and Void was on uh, the famous Mutant Sounds blog,
1: mm.
0: which I learned about from Bill Mack, formerly of WKDU, mm. who later went to FMU.
2: Uh, I'm not familiar with this blog. What's the, What's the deal with Mutant Sounds?
0: Mutant Sounds was a blog of just sort of weird and esoteric stuff that just... Couldn't find anywhere else. I I don't know. Similar to almost like the nurse with wound list type stuff. Just like a sort of like go to like everything on here is going to be uh, sort of interesting and worth listening to.
1: Hmm. It was a blog that was regarded as like very curated.
0: Yeah. I imagine. Uh, are they not around anymore or? It's been years. Since they, they had to like shut it all down. Hmm. Like one day it was just all gone.
2: Yeah. I guess there's probably a lot of like DMCA issues and that stuff. That should happen too.
1: with a lot of those blogs where uh-huh. i would find shit like that's what i'm saying in the early aughts i would just be ripping through them, looking for all this shit that i wanted to listen to and hear and then one day they're all gone yep. Yeah,
2: now it feels so like you know borderline monolithic or it's just like pitchfork brooklyn vegan and, like it's like a handful of uh blogs that aren't so much curated but it's whoever like is spending the most on pr i'm gonna
1: just own pitchfork that's <laughs> what i want to know <laughs>
2: Well, why don't you email Mr. Bezos and uh, see what his plans are well, for Pitchfork.
0: Pitchfork is uh, Condé Nast has it now, right? Really? I think so.
1: Well, either way, it's garbage, and I hate it. <laughs> and I have hated it since I was in high school. Yeah, I'm done with Pitchfork. I'm fucking over that shit, dude. <laughs> no, seriously, I always would like read their reviews, and I'd be like, why are they so pretentious all the time? I feel like they there are so many records that get panned. Or at least records that I love. Yeah. I know that, like, the internet is a place to, you know, you can express yourself. And, like, yes, it's nice that you have a very popular blog to express yourself uh, and, you know, slam bands that are good or trying. But then again, I don't know. I just don't like the rating system of music. I don't it, like.
2: Yeah, it really makes you wonder what the purpose of that is. Like, with the purpose of music journalism, like you'd think it would be to kind of, like you were saying, curate the larger, you know, swath of music out there so people don't have to do all of that hunting and research themselves and they can have, like, a, I guess it's inherently subjective, but like a more objective opinion about like what is interesting or, or whatever, whatever qualifiers you can think of. But it largely doesn't feel like that. It's, it's almost like they're trying to, narrow that bandwidth and just like, you know, disqualify a lot of things. And I've never felt good about any review I've read. And that's never been the deciding factor for me as to whether or not I like a band or I want to, you know, buy the record. It's just uh, whether or not it clicks from other external
0: things. You guys ever read um, the yellow, green, red blog? Mm -hmm. No. It's it's, uh, Matt, the singer from Piss Jeans. Mm -hmm. And he's been doing it for, I think, like 10 years now. And he's still doing it. It's it's the only it's like the only music writing, I, I'm I'm interested in reading. Like he's not he's not rating anything. It's always like thoughtful, often funny, interesting, and he's not an asshole about it. He is a legit weirdo, just genuine music fan. And I say I say like music fan as opposed to record nerd because that's different. Right. And it's it's always a pleasure
1: feel like i identify with that i feel like i'm a music fan oftentimes if i don't like something i'm just like at this stage of my life i will force myself to listen to it a lot until i either understand why people like it or i end up liking it which is usually what ends up happening if you listen to something enough times you're gonna like it Mm. the flaming lips zyrica was probably the most recent thing i listened to are you familiar with that record no it's a record that the Flaming Lips made that you have to listen to four separate CDs or records of it that you started oh, exactly yeah. the same time. Mm-hmm. They've never put out like a proper compilation of it, but like people have burned the CDs to their computer and like put the tracks on top of each other and like printed that and stuff. So you could listen to it on YouTube. And you know, the first five times I heard that record, I was like, I don't even fucking understand what the, what this is mm-hmm. now. I fucking love it i don't know why (laughs) noah and i listened to it on our way to chicago and i was like this is weird i'm gonna listen to it again and then sean and i listened to it a bunch while you're in chicago and i was like this is actually kind of sick i I mean they're another band that's just like artsy as fuck and just nonsense a lot of the time and it grew on me same thing with slater slater with three y's she just put out a new album she just like in indie pop person like it's not indie pop in the sense that you know we think about it but it's like pop music independent pop music it like, yeah, sounds take, like taking spears the idol and shit.
2: yeah the pop idol format and doing it indie
1: it's so good but when i first heard it i was like man this isn't doing it for me why isn't it doing it for me i should listen to it more and see like what this is about now i fucking love it and it's all i listen to all the time
0: i don't know who this is use, use it slater with three y's
1: yeah S L A Y okay. Y Y T E R. Yeah, look it. up
2: the song "Throatzilla." That's one of it's Evan's great. favorite favorite tracks. Love it.
1: And she just put out a new record like two weeks ago. She's like hypersexual and just like kind of funny. Pitchfork reviewed her album and called her a bimbo. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that's kind of the vibe. Yeah, exactly. I read that that review. Yeah, that sucks. And, you know, they were like, oh, she's just a blonde haired bimbo, essentially. And, you know, doing blonde haired bimbo pop music. And that's just like me being like pitchfork. Why are you too pretentious? Like Britney Spears was fucking sick yeah Mm. i don't know if that's a term of endearment or not but it didn't come off as it and it's
2: again that's the narrowing the bandwidth of what should exist and what is you know acceptable as art it's a bunch
1: of bullshit it bums me out pretty hard my favorite song on the record they're like they didn't need to make this song ever and i was like what are you talking about of all the songs on this record this is my favorite the production on it is amazing it's the one i played for you that has like the harmonized guitar riffs and synthesizers oh yeah it's It's called over this it's fucking It's a cool genre blending yeah it's sick yeah it's like yeah, it's great. The review is just like, I don't even understand why this song's on this record. And I'm just like, Clearly you're not the person who should be reviewing this album. Right. Let's give it a Matt. Let's give it a Matt. <laughs> Let's give it a Matt. Let's give it a Matt. <laughs> Let's give it a Matt.
0: <laughs> well, Matt would I mean he would do a much better job.
2: Yeah. But I mean you're touching on something that's like a fundamental thing that we don't often admit about music. The success of music giving us that dopamine rush is expectation and then the means of fulfilling that expectation. And a lot of it is familiarity. Like that's something they make a lot of pop music successful, especially historically, is like major labels would pay to have like a new song just played everywhere in every environment. If it's a club song in every single club. Always in rotation. If it's on, you know, it's supposed to be a radio hit, you know, they'll push it on the radio. And what happens eventually is that people hear it enough that they know what's going to happen in the song. And then when that expectation is fulfilled, where they know where the song is going and then it goes there, you know, then it feels good to listen to it. And that's what a lot of it is. Like, you know, when people are like, oh, this music doesn't work for me. Like, think about like if your mom listens to like an aggressive pop song or like a hardcore song and just like, I don't get it. Why are they screaming? But then when you have that familiarity with it, like that's what you look for. You're like, oh, this is the thing I love in music. And I think that Slater song is just one of those examples where it's kind of blending a lot of different elements that and it's not even that challenging when it comes down to it. But if someone isn't open to that challenge because they appreciate all those different elements, like, you know, in their disparate prior existence, it just feels too hard for them to process and they're not getting giving it that time and that's the thing that sucks about music journalism like that is that it encourages people to not give music that time and to not put their investment into it and see if they can find the thing in that music that works for them because it gives them a reason to just write it off the music scholars over at pitchfork have uh you know given it its its death sentence and you know that that's it you write it off
1: a lot of the stuff on you know all those blogs we scoured back in the day tommy like a lot of proper proper and i'm doing air quotes music reviewers or music journalists would probably be like what the fuck is this you know but at least that's how i feel about a lot of stuff i listen to anyway is just like kind of far out and weird and that's what i i gravitate towards a lot of that just something interesting but i also gravitate towards something that's really formulaic and well done i'm not going to review any records because i'm bad at talking and writing oh yeah yeah
2: (laughs) See, but the thing is, you're very good at enthusiasm and curating your own library of things that you appreciate that other people wouldn't do. And Tommy, you would, you know, obviously do the same thing. And that's why, like, you running a your own small re-release record label is so interesting, too. It's, it's giving those songs more life and giving them more of an opportunity to find an audience that they wouldn't otherwise get, especially now in this oversaturated era and this over-access era, too, where it's not so much easier to find niche things because, like, People rely on algorithms on Spotify to introduce them to new music. People who do their research, like you and Evan do, it's I think a, a pretty important service that you're that you're doing for people.
1: Well, I mean, our holy father, the Spotify algorithm, is the one who showed me Slater.
0: Hey, you know, stop clock is right twice a day. True. Yeah, there's room for all of it. The only time I ever write about music is when I have to like write about these records that I put out because I I know I have to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't, but I don't like it.
1: Yeah, but you also are, you know, very passionate about those records Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's all very positive. And I know it's taboo to want to just read positive reviews of things, but like, don't tell me why I'm going to dislike it. Tell me what I can look forward to it or what you find interesting. Yeah. I want to know like what you get out of it. Not like this experience sucked for me. It's like, cool. And don't share it with anybody who gives a fuck. Right. It's not like you're warning somebody against having a bad experience by doing that. Maybe you are. I don't know. I think that's bullshit, though. Everyone should be able to make their own opinion. There's a lot of punching down in a lot of that stuff. Sucks. Yeah. Not into it. Mm-mm. Well, anyway, should we listen to the song? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not?
0: mean, <laughs> give
2: us some I'm background pretty, on this I'm one again. excited.
1: So this song is called Farewell, My Little Viking, which I absolutely stole that name from Pete and Pete, if any of you guys ever watched Pete and Pete. I wasn't allowed to watch it. Wow.
0: I bought the DVDs when they finally came out. So, you know. Yes.
2: What's the reference? Is that something that uh, Arnie, the world's strongest man, said? Artie. Yeah, I I never watched it. I got pretty close, actually. Played
0: by Toby Huss. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, you're deep. I think he was only in seasons uh, one and two.
1: Farewell, My Little Viking was his. I'm not sure if it was the last line he said in the show, but it was one of them. Like, it's as he was leaving the show.
2: Mm
0: Mm-hmm. His little Viking. Probably Young Pete, yeah. Young Pete. Mm-hmm, exactly.
1: Yeah. Man,
2: I really just pulled that character. That's the only character I know, aside from that Iggy Pop was an ice cream
0: man. So
1: well, And Pete. And Pete. And I believe Michael Stipe was in it. Sorry to do this.
0: Michael Stipe was the ice cream man. Oh. oh. Iggy Pop was Mona Mecklenburg's father.
1: Right. Thank you. Thank Mr. You. Mecklenburg. Damn, that's cool. A lot of good cameos in that show. Yep. Also, the magnetic fields were on it all the time. It was, like, such a stellar soundtrack, too. hmm It's great. It's truly great. Uh, oh, what a good show!
2: Seems like a real time capsule of that era's kind
1: of uh, youth culture and in music as well. It was very '90s. It was a good show, though. I haven't watched it in a minute, but like, I feel like it's the kind of show that would have lasting power.
0: It's a singular show, and there have been shows since then that are that are like this. Um, at more now because there's there's just fucking shows everywhere, mm-hmm. and there's channels, there's a million. But it's like people with our sensibilities, just like who happened to get involved in this mainstream Nickelodeon TV show.
1: I love it. It's such a good show. Uh, Anyway, but this is a song that actually I wrote for hide and seek, which, you know, Josh and I tried to keep going after high school and we went to college and tried to do it throughout college a little bit. And, you know, as everyone went their own separate ways in the world and I met Tommy and Tommy and I had a lot of similar, you know, interest in various punk rock and, quote-unquote lo-fi music and stuff but this specific song i'm just gonna come out and say it i just like fully rip off rocket ship i don't know if you guys know the band rocket ship Mm -hmm. but they Mm -hmm. have a record called a certain smile a certain sadness it is one of the records that i think has shaped me musically especially that era peter martin was the one who showed it to me in probably high school and i was like holy shit dude this it's like somewhere between shoegaze and like twee pop. And there's always like guy, girl vocals together. And there's like a loud ass fucking Hammond organ on the top of everything all the time. You know, when we got that Hammond organ at the studio, that M3, which actually I got my first one with Jesse from movable type. He was the one who introduced me to the M3. But like, I realized I'm so drawn to that sound because of listening to that record so often and holding that record so close to my heart. I was listening to it literally last night and I was like, wow, this fucking organ sound is the organ sound I put on every song all of the time. And it's clearly, I take a lot from that band. And I'm sorry if I ripped it off a little bit too much. Vocally, it's a little different. Still, Guy Girl vocal, it's pretty much the same. Jeff Lane plays some fuzzy slide guitars on it. Chris plays some guitar. He did some drums. We recorded, it, we must have recorded this one in Drexel because. I remember you coming to Drexel to record it, and I remember us putting a microphone in the room outside the studio and outside just like putting studio it C, way yeah, fucking high in the un-
2: air. Yeah, university Crossing, Studio C, I remember that.
0: I think I remember the warehouse, because mm-hmm. I remember recording carbines Can Fire CEOs 2, mm-hmm. and that was in the warehouse, right?
1: We did that first at Drexel in Studio A, and then we redid it at the warehouse.
0: I do not remember it recording it two times i only remember one time you
1: did it twice (laughs) man things
0: just really just kind of they just go oh yeah over the years
1: oh my god dude yesterday when i was mixing farewell my little viking i had multiple drum playlists i went to go through the other drum playlists and they're just fully other songs Uh uh-huh they're not even you recorded other songs and i didn't even remember you recorded other songs but I listened to the beats on them and I was like, "Oh, this is the song called Oh God, we're all so miserable now, which eventually I reworked and made into a super week song, but you recorded the drums to the original version of that and that's on there and I was like, "Holy shit, that's crazy. I forgot we did this."
0: I do remember playing in like more of a uh like a real studio setting. Mm-hmm. I think for for this one maybe.
1: Well, let's go listen to it.
3: Here we go, let's take a walk down memory lane.
5: And take on my extent With a poon so sick and drastic, I was expands guys
0: That was so good to hear.
1: It was. I've always really liked that song, and I wrote it over a decade ago. At this point, and I'm glad it's finally
2: here. It was very surreal for me. Like, I haven't thought about that song in like ten or eleven years, or whatever. Well, we recorded the drums to it, in, I think 2013. Still, it like all came back to me when we were listening to it, and I was like, "Oh yeah." I remember, like, even the distinct like rhythm like guitar thing where you like kind of switch like what are you switching to like a major seventh. It's just like one of those weird things I've heard so many songs that you've written in my life, and I remember all of them.
1: means I'm doing something right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember us going to Studio C at Drexel, and I remember, you know, if you listen to the ride symbol, you can hear how far away the room mic that we used outside of the studio in the middle of the common area we just, like set it up as high as it could go, and blew it out with compression. And, and
2: left the door. Or was the door was open, or Tommy was actually out in no, that area? No, the door was wide open. Yeah, yeah. Tommy
1: was actually in the studio, and then it had to travel through the hallway between the control room and the studio out to the main mm-hmm. common area. That's where we put that mic. And I'm sure we recorded the drums at like 2 in the morning. I remember this being really late.
0: Well, that sounds familiar. I don't remember the song mm-hmm. at all.
1: You've never heard anything on top of it. You only ever heard the one guitar part.
0: That's what I was going to ask.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I remember, like, the direction the drums were facing. I remember that room.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's why That's why I've never heard the song before. Because I haven't heard the song before. So <laughs> it's, so it's, so this is the first,
1: yeah. So did you, did you just finish it? Yes. Hell yeah. I texted Tommy, like, four days ago and was like, hey, Tommy, do you want to do a podcast with us? And I didn't really explain anything about it. I could have asked, but didn't.
0: Even though, like, while walking here, I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what I'm going to get. I don't know what to expect. It's just, you know, my wheels turning.
1: It's like Seinfeld. It's a show about nothing. And then we listen to a song. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's what people say. We're like Seinfeld.
1: Yeah, we're way funnier than Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, we're yeah. not as funny as Jason Alexander.
2: I've seen maybe six episodes of Seinfeld in my whole life. So I, I can neither confirm nor deny. What do you think?
1: I like Seinfeld. Who do you think's funny, or Seinfeld, or Jason Alexander? Jason Alexander. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Not to mention he's a a powerful musical talent yeah. and a performer on Broadway. He's incredible. A little Seinfeld trivia, even though I never really watched the show. There's an episode where George leaves a message on his message machine, uh, singing about like how you've reached George, but he's not home. I can't remember the specific song, but they made him re-record it worse than he initially sang it because he has Broadway chops, and they're like, your character wouldn't sing this well, so you have to recut it.
1: Tommy, you are still my voicemail.
2: Oh, yeah, Evan's outgoing message on his voicemail is you. Did you know that? It's still you. That's great. You, do you remember
0: what you said? Well, I mean, who changes their voicemail?
1: Not me, clearly. <laughs> I think yeah. you recorded it when I had a flip phone in, like, 2008. Really? I'm I'm happy to hear that.
0: Yeah. Get that's
1: out sure. of here. No, 100%. So that's when Tommy. it
3: says, uh... You have reached Evan Bernard. You are a bold and courageous person.
1: That's this man that's Tommy. in this room,
2: Yeah,
3: that wasn't you saying that. No, no that's, that's Tommy. Tommy. Wow. Yeah.
1: I asked Tommy to make a voicemail for me, and I gave it to him, and that he literally just did that.
0: I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> I meant every. I meant every word. <laughs> it's heavy shit, man. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to like kind of dredge up that era again, too. If like, I know I've I've talked about this on a few episodes, but like, your twee influences, you don't really wear them on your sleeve anymore. But that was like such a distinct part of the like the songwriting style back then that you were doing. And we just kept gluing heavier and heavier stuff on top of these twee songs. I
1: also really like shoegaze. Yeah. And like that kind of stuff. I like loud, mm-hmm. I like distorted. I
2: feel like you're just filling out Nevin Mad Libs right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I used the pedal, the Mel X on that song. I love that pedal. Mm. Great pedal. Uh, throwback to Jeff Lane episode. Well, then again, Jeff Lane fucking played guitar on this song. So it makes sense.
2: Yeah, makes sense. Former podcast Jeff Lane. Uh, be sure to go back and listen to his
0: episode too if you want to hear lots of cool things about Prince.
1: So How are you feeling, Tommy?
0: I feel good. This is the part of the show where the guests to say like, "Oh, I was so nervous about coming on."
1: No, no, no. You can. T- <laughs> I want you to. Yeah. I yeah. want you to tell me how you're feeling right this moment. What you're thinking about?
0: This day feels special. My brain is cloudy today. I was tired. I was ex- very excited to see you, and uh, I was nervous yeah. to do the podcast just for normal reasons. I you. I was excited to hear the song.
2: Yeah, all your DJ chops are coming back out where the, the mic gets in front of your face and the confidence just, you settle right back into it. No problem.
0: There might be some truth to that.
2: Yeah. Well, we you, gave you the radio
3: mic there. The SM7 T-Man,
0: mic. Jazzy, Stoke. <laughs> like
3: yeah,
1: Mike, switching you your to your sign. No, that was,
0: that was like you switching into character. What was your show called? <laughs> well, it was All Animals Attack All Humans.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. And what was your But DJ originally
0: man? it was called Paint is a Fragrance, which is just a uh, rocket from the Crypt record
1: mm-hmm. what was your dj name i didn't have one me neither
2: yeah you just went by tommy that's why i always knew it was, especially when i was listening to your your wendy's odyssey i i knew it was you as the source also you have a distinct cadence to how you speak so also recognizable but evan you had a dj name you were uh mishka right the dancing bear
1: hmm, maybe i was but i'm pretty sure my name's evan
2: your name is evan that is your given name but as a DJ, uh, you went by Mishka, and your your show was called "Tunes for Bears to Dance To." That
1: was the name of the show. How they do I remember that you
0: That I remember. I remember Mishka. I don't remember. I don't remember
1: Nard. Nard wasn't a name I you know preferred to go by. Kind of like yeah. the Nate Dion story yeah. or Dijon whatnot, which we'll get into whenever we talk to Nate. But, yeah, yeah. it's not ruined. Let's not spoil uh, that story. No, I mean I don't particularly care. What was the the movie Wolfman's Got Nards. What is that movie? Monster Squad. Monster it What? Really?
2: Yeah, it's Monster Squad. Yeah.
1: Are you doubting me on movie trivia? Which movie's Buzz's girlfriend,
2: Wolf? That is Home Alone. Buzz, your girlfriend, Wolf. I
1: thought they were the same
2: movie. It's not the same
0: movie. <laughs> I will say, now that you bring up Squad, I did have a DJ name freshman year, and it was DJ Tom Squad, because when I was in high school, before I even thought about doing radio, before I knew college radio was a thing. One of my best friends gave me another nickname. He nicknamed me DJ Tom Squad. Oh, shit. So when I got on the radio, I thought, well, I should use that.
1: DJ Tom Squad.
0: Before I decided, no, I don't have to use that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, see, DJ Tom Squad to me feels more like a DJ Khaled equivalent, where you're, like, producing hip-hop tracks and, like, Yelling your own name over them and probably whatever the year is. Did you name, yell your own name foghorn. over
1: the podcast.
4: <laughs>
2: foghorn. I don't
3: know whatever that's is. an air horn. <laughs> yeah. If,
2: would you have a foghorn over your tracks if you're like DJ Tom Squad?
0: Well, no, because uh, originally and when I had this show, I managed to get Saturday overnights, so it was it was during the the reggae weekend lineup. So they yeah. were foghorns, you know, on either side of me. <laughs> Well, that's
2: more, I guess, air horn, uh, the classic. Like, bam, 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 bam,
0: Air
1: horns, yeah. yeah. Air horns. You think you'll go back to doing a radio show now that you're back in Philly? No.
0: <laughs> this isn't tickling your fancy? I've always loved doing radio. Still do. I stopped doing it at FMU when I was, like, in grad school, and I had, it was summertime, and I had to get an internship. And uh, I, I just never went back because it takes an enormous amount of time to do it the way that I want to do it. And I'm only going to do it the way I want to do it, mm-hmm. which means like. 15 plus hours of work
1: mm-hmm. for a three-hour show the PSAs just came back you finished your last round of songs what are you saying
0: well I'm probably back announcing
1: how are you gonna do it what songs did you just play give me give me, give
0: me hypotheticals oh, oh okay we just heard uh uh Racket Racket by Matt off of the self-titled single from 1981 I said 1981 not because I know that it came out that year but because I'm I'm making it up because I'm I've been put on the spot and i can uh <laughs> i don't have a computer in front of me to, to look it up so i'm just gonna no one's gonna you
1: have a very notice. relaxing radio voice
0: that was not that way in college what did you do in college i was a little more more energy in my voice
2: more excitable it was it was new and it was uh probably a an adrenaline rush while while you're on the air
0: yep and i might be softer now because for two years i did 6 a.m on sunday
2: Oh, so everyone's nursing their hangovers, so you had to be gentle with them
0: when they turned the radio on. No, I was just tired. Oh, that too. Because <laughs> I can't go to, I, I can go to sleep early. And Why I would- did
1: you do those time slots, Tommy?
0: 6 a.m. on a Sunday? hmm I mean, that's what was open. And I, it was, um, that's where I started.
1: Oh, at FMU or KD?
0: FMU. Yeah. Managing to start at FMU, not in an overnight, I had an opportunity to like, oh, 6 a.m. Sunday was opening, someone was leaving, and so I like kinda got in there. Awesome. It's better than three a.m. any day.
2: Yeah, you know FMU is a prestigious, like one of the best, like independent radio stations oh, in the yeah. country. Oh yeah,
1: believe me, as a someone who grew up listening to FMU all the time. That's right. I know. I love it.
0: Evan, I knew you grew up in New- in northern Jersey, mm-hmm. but whereabouts?
1: Grew up in a town called Berkeley Heights. Okay. Not super close to where fmu is but i got fmu there i don't know how i got turned on to that station i was probably just flipping through channels and i found all sorts of wacky shit Mm -hmm. and i would just always listen to it because it was so fascinating unless i familiarized myself with the schedule which i absolutely did not as a high schooler you know i would just tune in and hear all sorts of random shit all the time and it was great whether it be hearing some kind of a spoken word piece about a bear hibernating that was like paralleling the industrial revolution and some like crazy thing like that I heard on there once. And then, you know, obviously the best show. And then every once in a while, you know, I would hear all sorts of punk rock that I liked and just all sorts of, all sorts of amazing stuff that you otherwise weren't, you wouldn't hear anywhere else. And we just had Peter Martin on. We called in once and won tickets to some performance art piece. And then we went. Yeah. And it was fucking amazing, and it changed my life, you know? Like, where else but WFMU are you going to be able to do that, you know? That's the best. It's the best. You still listen? Well, you probably can't listen that much now that you're here. I've got my my shows. wait, what are your choice
2: radio shows now that you've uh, retired from the industry but you're still a, a consumer?
0: I listen to John Allen, I listen to Faye, and I listen to Daniel Blumen.
1: Definitely no Faye. That's the only show I'm familiar with, uh, with the station. Just because I think that makes last, sense. Last time I was in New Jersey, I was actually listening to that show.
0: Yeah, yeah. She started doing like she was like, "I'm gonna do a pop show. I don't care what anyone with things. I'm gonna do a pop show. I love pop music. It's awesome." And um,
1: worked out. I was also very surprised that that kind of music was being played on FMU. Mm-hmm.
0: She's branched out into um, yeah different stuff in a, re- a really great way. I think not on the schedule this summer, but hope, but uh, yeah, hopefully in the fall. It's nice to take a break.
1: Yeah, I believe me, I know.
0: You know, no, you imagine.
2: Evan's never taken a break in his life.
1: <laughs> I've taken breaks before, guys. Come on, I'm going um, to the beach. Not many. Fuck you guys. Okay, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to go to the beach actually. Well, now that you're back in Philly, what are you excited to do? I'm gonna go uh, outside the city and go
0: walk some llamas around. That's not in Philly. You gotta, do, you gotta go outside of Philly for that. Well,
2: there's a there was a llama farm in Phoenixville, or I guess it was an alpaca farm in Phoenixville that I, I lived near
0: for a brief time.
2: So yeah, there's, there's plenty of that going on around uh, the Philadelphia area. Yeah,
0: they're around. Some of them are like way booked up. They're in demand. I
1: had no idea. <laughs> my mind is actually blown right now.
2: Yeah, no, there's <laughs> a uh, a rehabilitation facility in Phoenixville near where my family lived, only for one year, but um, it was like a like a rehab for inmates, like to help them like rematriculate into society by like giving them like responsibilities. I mean this is how they're advertising it. Now that I'm thinking about it, this sounds like it was just free labor they had for a fucking alpaca farm. But uh they made it sound like they were doing a nice thing for these people. Yeah, you know, there was right you could see it from the road and there was like alpacas that uh you know they would shear and like sell the the wool from but also just like take care
0: of year round And I wish I could remember uh what kind of sheep these these are, but there's one um that uh, the one that was booked up referred me to another one, and they've got these, like, special sheep, these amazing sheep, mm-hmm. which, again, I don't remember the name of. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. That's fine. But – uh, Are you going to go see him? Yeah, I'm going to go see him.
2: It's always funny to think about, like, the subcategories of farm animals you don't really consider. I'm always astounded to learn that there's, like, multiple subspecies of cows that are, like – I mean, obviously there's, like, dairy cows, and there's, I guess, like, ones who pull – I don't know. I don't really know I am very much a city boy, but
0: yeah, there's the like the hairy ones. Yeah, the hairy ones. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I think that's probably what they're uh, classified as. I don't know what the Latin name is for, but or latin name is for that. But like a hamburger cow is different than like a dairy cow and you know, so on and so forth. And sheep is like probably similar.
1: I guess there aren't just one kind of cow.
2: That's mm-hmm. my point. Yeah, isn't it surprising? You like you don't really consider it, but then uh yeah, you'll start to hear the names from people who live in like more
1: rural areas. Speaking of cows, I'm hungry. Yeah. Time to get some future burgers.
2: <laughs> uh, I guess they would be current burgers in your case, oh, yeah. <laughs> Evan.
1: Well, we got to get the cows, which is what my brother would refer to as future burgers. Mm-hmm.
0: Guys, this has been really nice. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you for being here and coming. And I'm glad you live in Philly again. And you know, now I can see you more regularly, especially since you live around the corner. Maybe I'll just see you around. I would love
0: that.
2: But Tommy, is there anything you want to plug? Anything that you're working on now or any? Uh- Bunker
0: Pop. <laughs> Bunker Pop. We have a Bandcamp. Got rid of the website. Just Bandcamp. Yeah. Bunkerpop.bandcamp, I assume. It's got to be. I had to, because, you know, like, I fucked up because when I started Bandcamp, I was like, oh, you can have a label page where you pay way too much money hmm. per month for us. A, a label page where you can mm-hmm. have, like, it's organized, it, not smart. I have, like, a small label. It doesn't matter. It's just a regular page. And so saying all this because I couldn't just make one into the other. I had to create another URL. It's either Bunker Pop or Bunker Pop Records.
2: Wait, just, when we, we'll so, track it down. I'll put the right can,
0: one in the show notes. Yeah. Everyone knows how to use the internet. <laughs> it's fine.
1: <laughs> Anywhere you want to be found on the internet? Anything else you're doing that's cool? i trying to play some music.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't announce anything now. Okay. The next the next Bunker Pop record is is... By a band called Robert, who released Robert the Record on Robert Records. okay, And that's going to come out in, like, a year. Great. Because pressing plants
1: are very backed up. Yeah. Are you familiar with our past guest, Kiko Casanova, having a pressing plant here in Philadelphia? Soft Wax Records. Mrs. No, Blank. but
0: I saw you posted something about it.
1: Put you two in touch. Uh, Thank you. What could be greater than... Golf with a Gator? <laughs> uh, bunker See, that yeah. that
0: one, you got You nailed it. <laughs> thank you, Tommy. Which
1: one did he miss?
0: All of them. Billy Idol. Which one?
1: When you said Billy Idol was an ice cream a, man.
0: No, no, no. It's a fine, I mean, it's a fine day. mean Pop was the ice cream man is the one I messed up. <laughs> it's a fine day for a, for a white wedding.
1: Oh, right. Oh, that was before we oh, were <laughs> recording. This is going to be very confusing. All right, well, we're ruining it all now. <laughs> I'm ruined everything. Well, you can edit this, right? You can just yeah, No, I'm going to leave that in. That's good stuff. <laughs> all right. That's comedy gold right there.
0: Whatever it was, it was, my, it was my fault.
1: That was perfect. Look <laughs> oh, up.
2: <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Look up Bunker Pop on Bandcamp And
0: uh You know I'm, I'm getting too comfortable now
1: No see comfortable's good
2: <laughs> Continuing the free format spirit of uh, One WKDU In in podcast form but With even less structure to it
1: Well you're listening to The Super Week Super Weekly Supercast On uh 91.7 WKUFM
5: <laughs> We'll be your phone.
1: Uh, Just look at your phone. You're not. We're not on WKDU. Uh, I have been many times. Tommy, can you give us your radio sign off for the episode?
0: Thank you for listening. Is that it? The uh, radio sign off for uh, for this episode? (laughs) 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 Yeah. For uh, I I told you, like when I'm not in control, mm. it's you know. Well, you're in control now. This has been. Super Week's Podcast. My name is Thomas Stork. I am uh, only on this episode. Thank you for listening.
3: Well, we might put that on every episode from here on out, so then you'll be on
2: every episode. <laughs> Very similar to Evan's, similar to Evan's uh, outgoing message on his
1: voicemail, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, let's uh, do an actual sign-off. We did. Uh, then it turned into that other thing.
1: What other thing? It's great. This is the end.
2: Oh, I thought you would say. Um... You've
0: been listening to the Super Week, Super Weekly, Supercast. You are a bold and courageous person. Didn't I say that? Should we do it again?